Welcome to the Border Agenda podcast on El Paso Talks. I'm your host, Aldo Mena, and I'll be joined by co-host Martin Paredes as we explore a range of issues of relevance to the U.S.-Mexico border and the larger border region. Thank you for tuning in to the Border Agenda podcast. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Border Agenda podcast on El Paso Talks. I'm your host, Aldo Mena, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Martin Paredes. Hi, Aldo. It's great to be with you again. This is exciting. This is a, a really exciting project that we're embarking on. So I look forward to to us working together and uh, and getting this thing off the ground. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You know, thank you for for being here in the online sense of the word, of course. Um, so on this particular, on this and subsequent episodes of the Border Agenda podcast. Our objective is to explore a range of issues of relevance to an understanding of the U.S.-Mexico border and the larger border region. Um, On on today's uh, episode, we will be discussing the Biden administration's recent decision to proceed with, and uh, at this point, I'd like to be very precise with my language, um, the Biden administration's recent decision to proceed with construction of additional segments of the border wall that were apparently already authorized for construction during the Trump administration. I'm being kind of facetious here, but that's the position that's being forwarded by the by the Biden administration. And um, just to provide some additional context as a, you know, as a presidential candidate, Biden pledged to never build, quote, another foot of border wall. And to his credit, um, upon securing the presidency, one of his very first acts was to issue, once again, I'd like to be very precise here, um, he issued a proclamation prohibiting the use of any reprogrammed defense funds on any new construction of the border wall. Last Wednesday, however, I think it was October 4th, if I'm not mistaken, the Department of Homeland Security published a notice in the Federal Registry advising that it would be, uh, in fact, waiving a number of federal, state, and local laws to expedite the construction of an additional approximately 20 miles of border wall in an area in South Texas, uh, specifically in an area in Stark County. So uh, a spokesperson for, for U.S. Customs and Border Protection said that the Biden administration had no choice but to move forward with the construction because the administration is required by Congress to spend the remainder of more than, I think, a billion dollars initially allocated in 2019 to construct the border wall. Um, After a member of the Mexican news media asked about the apparent reversal, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, speaking from Mexico City, where he was meeting with Mexican officials to discuss the immigration crisis, explained that From day one, this administration has made it clear that a border wall is not the answer, adding that the, quote, administration's position on constructing a border wall has never wavered. Um, President Biden himself has reiterated the same position a number of times, explaining that he does not believe that a border wall is effective and has insisted that the administration really had no choice because Congress required that the government spend the money by the end of fiscal year uh, 2023. 
Um, I guess Biden also noted that the administration had previously called upon Congress to rescind the funds, and when Congress refused to do so, they were really left uh, with no choice. What has led to confusion, however, is the language contained in the notice published by Homeland Security in the Federal Registry. The notice itself seems to indicate that the construction along this particular stretch of the border was needed to stop what we can all acknowledge as an unprecedented surge of unauthorized crossings that has overwhelmed both the U.S. and Mexican officials. I'm just going to quickly read the little section that's causing all of the confusion. Um, and so I'm quoting here, there is, a pr there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. So, any thoughts, Martin? Well, although lots of thoughts. Uh, and, and it all comes down to one very important thing, and, and that's the use of language. Uh, you'll note that in your very eloquent description of what the Biden administration is doing, you will, you'll note that most of it is political language. It's designed to address an issue without really addressing it. Let me explain. The problem and the underlying problem about immigration uh, and, and migrant surges and stuff, first of all, a migrant surge is not a first thing or a first time that this has happened. It's happened in the past. It's happened multiple times. Uh, it was, there was a Haitian, uh, you know, migrant surge. There was a Cuban migrant surge. Or historically, when, uh, depending on what happens, either climate or, you know, hurricanes or, or earthquakes or economic strife or whatever, there will always be a migrant surge. The problem is that, number one, you, there is no way to blockade 2,000 miles of a border. It doesn't matter how you address it, how you, how, you know, how you call it. As, as a matter of fact, the Biden administration in its own, you know, language saying we have to spend the money admits it's not going to work. I want to touch on the spending the money for a quick second. They're framing it as the Biden administration has to spend the money because Congress said they needed to spend it. But no one's ever asked, what happens if he simply doesn't spend it? It's not like Congress can go and tell the president, uh, you know, you have to spend the money. And he says, OK, but I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to spend it on something else. So the, the issue of having to spend the money is just an excuse. And it goes to what started in the early 1990s, and that's uh, immigration policy in America that's driven by prevention through deterrence. And, it, it, and that's basically saying we're going to prevent mass migration by deterring it. The problem is it has been a failure has historically been a failure. It does not work. And it doesn't work because it never solves the problem of immigration, which is immigration in the United States is a broken system. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, another factor, Martin, that I think is also contributing to the confusion on this uh, latest announcement is that 
this particular area, at, at least according to a recent Wall Street Journal article I, I consulted, does not appear to be, a, to, to be subject to heavy migratory traffic. Unlike other stretches of the Rio Grande River that have seen heavy migrant traffic in recent months, including you know Eagle Pass, about 230 miles to the north of this particular area of Star County, and McAllen, about 40 miles to the east, on this particular stretch of the border, there are few visible signs of a migrant influx, such as you know discarded clothing, you know water bottles, you know trash and stuff like that. So that's that's another, I guess, reason why people are somewhat confused about why the Biden administration seems so intent upon building a wall there. Well, uh, and, and, more importantly, and the, though, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, my fault. And and the confusion, which is actually what it is, it's confusing to everyone, either pro-immigrants and anti-immigrants. The whole Biden administration stance on this is confusing, and the reason is that it's not solving anything. It is saying, I need to spend money. I'm going to go against what I promised and not build another foot of wall. I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I have an excuse. Now, why are they doing this? Because it's an easy narrative to say, coming up for the 2024 elections to say, hey, I'm doing something about my immigration, undocumented immigration. I'm building a wall. That's all that is. But is it going to solve the problem? The, the evidence says it's not. It, it never has and it never will. It failed for the Trump administration. It will fail for the Biden administration as well. Right. You know, another another issue that's being kind of uh, highlighted at this point is that, you know, this particular stretch of land contains a critical wildlife corridor used by migratory birds and ocelots, which are a type of wild feline that, you know, if they do actually build the wall there, um, you know, this, these, these wildlife, uh, you know, travel will be disrupted by construction of a border wall. And it also, you know, another thing, um, this particular stretch of land contains ranches, which are owned by families who have been in this area for generations, in some cases, and you know this is this is documented. Um, in some cases, these families have lived in this area since before the area even became a part of the the U.S. And you know, one other thing I'd like to add is, ironically, these particular residents were involved in protracted legal struggles against the Trump administration, and were able to not necessarily prevail in any legal sense, um, but they were able to outlast, outlast the Trump administration's attempt to, to seize their land. So it's ironic that they were able to somehow survive the Trump era only to fall, you know, fall prey to the Biden administration and their, their decision to go ahead and build a wall in this particular place. Well, not only does it affect the wildlife, but, you know, what's most interesting to me is the fact that the Trump administration built its wall. It didn't complete it. It built its wall. And what do we learn from that wall? Number one, people 
who want to get across will get across. So what did they do? They found ways to cut through supposedly an impenetrable wall. If they couldn't do that, they would climb over the wall. A simple ladder from Home Depot was enough to get them over the wall. When that didn't work, they found ways around the wall. They would just walk till they found an opening on the wall. There's no way you're gonna you're going to seal a 2,000 mile border. But more important is that that uh, there were even sections of the wall that fell that continued to fall. There was scams perpetuated because of the wall. Remember the scam of build the wall? Some people have been prosecuted for scamming and 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 um, you know and, and using money to quote unquote build the wall. The whole thing is a scheme. It's a scam. It doesn't work. It does not deter immigration. It is a talking point, a political talking point that makes many people feel comfortable to say, you see. We're doing something about immigration. We are building a wall. We are going to separate. But you know what that wall does? It's a symbol. That wall is a symbol of them versus us. Instead of embracing the people from the other side of the border, for whatever reason, from wherever they are, it's my problems in America are the result of them from across the border. Instead of looking at it and saying, hey, what are the problems? Let's solve it. Let's address the immigration issue. Let's figure out how we can solve it intelligently. No, people would rather build a wall. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, this this idea of having a border wall isn't isn't necessarily new. Right. I think we've been dealing with border walls since the early 90s. I think um, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Clinton administration, who initially <laughs> proposed building and actually built, uh, you know, some form of border barrier. Actually, actually, uh, although the Clinton administration was at first against the building of a wall. In fact, it was not the Clinton administration that proposed the idea of building a wall. It was actually uh, Silvestre Reyes. Uh, wow. His first proposal to, or his first idea to build a wall actually happened in Harlingen when he was, I believe, an assistant chief, uh, border patrol chief. Right after that, around 1993, he was appointed the border patrol chief for the El Paso sector. Immediately within months of that, he launched uh, something called Operation Hold the Line. It was actually Operation Blockade, but people found the word blockade offensive, so he, he changed it immediately. And it became Operation Hold the Line. And Operation Hold the Line was nothing more than deploying Border Patrol agents along the border, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder to keep people from crossing the border. Uh, the initial funding, uh, Congress allocated a small amount to pay for overtime and 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 start, you know, trying to to check this to see if it actually worked. When the money ran out, Congress said we're not going to support it. The Clinton administration said we were not going to support it anymore. So what Silvestre Reyes did is he moved his personnel from other parts of his sector, like, for example, the Sierra Blanca checkpoint to the border and to bolster and, and, and keep that, that, you know, that, that wall, for lack of a better that human wall, up and, and running. But the Clinton administration was not in support of it because, and neither was Congress, because they weren't willing to fund it. It was the reallocation of Border Patrol agents that Silvestre Reyes did that allowed the, the 
you know, the operation to continue. And that created a whole set of other problems, including the problems that the Border Patrol agents themselves were not happy with this because they didn't sign up to stand in the sun in the desert looking across the border. They wanted to go back to their original jobs. But the beginning of border blockades was the Resta Reyes. And that is where um, the, the, the policy now of, of deterrence, of prevention through deterrence came and has expanded from there. That led us to child separations, to Donald Trump building the wall and stuff. That's what everything, that was the genesis of it in 1993. Wow, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, you know, I think it, at this point, it, it is important to, I guess, develop some perspective on this current situation. I think it was, you know, you see the origins of the border wall, but it was ultimately Trump who really sort of converted the wall from a distasteful enforcement measure into a brazen symbol of anti-Mexican sentiment. And um, at this point, I, I don't think this is how the border wall is functioning or being perceived at this point. You know, it lacks the, the venom, for lack of a better term, or symbolic or connotative meaning that it had under Trump. It's still ineffective and destructive to the environment. It's still offensive, in my opinion. So my sympathies lie with the residents of Star County. I hope that they are able to somehow find a way to block construction of the border wall. And I would appeal to our local uh, representatives to appeal to the Biden administration to find some sort of resolution short of actually building this ineffective kind of useless piece of border wall in an area that's so um, rich with history and with with natural resources as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's also important. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, sure. let me interrupt you really quick. And, and what you're saying is important and, and, and people need to get involved and, 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 and ask a very simple question. What is driving this need to build a wall, whether it's two feet, 200 miles? What is driving this, this need? And I'm going to circle back to Silvestre Reyes and, and his wall. While the border blockade with people was along the border, generally El Pasoans supported it. Then Mayor Larry Francis supported it up until they started feeling the economic effects, but they supported it. The, the problem being, it was okay to blockade the, the border with people, but the minute Silvestre Reyes said, let's build a fence, mind you, it's not a wall, Let's build a fence in Anapra, which was a 10-foot high solid steel fence with lighting and surveillance, pretty much what you see now. Larry Francis was the first to speak up on November 1993. In the El Paso Times, he said, quote, El Paso does not need another Berlin Wall, end quote, because, according to, to Francis, it sends a bad message. So... Therein lies the problem of that dichotomy. On one hand, everybody feels comfortable saying immigrants are bad. Let's close the border and blockade them. But let's not build the wall. How about let's address the underlying problem of broken immigration system? And that's where the solution to both 
uh, migrant surges, immigration issues, the expenditure of building a wall that doesn't work gets solved, not band-aids like the Biden administration is, is right now touting, basically saying, I'm going to build a wall because we have a migrant crisis. It doesn't solve anything. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, and sort of along that line of, of thinking, you know, another thing I'd like to just sort of quickly point out is that, you know, it's important to, to keep in mind that at this point, Biden is operating in a very kind of complicated uh, political environment. Um, if he does not effectively address this unprecedented migrant surge, which is the product of a broken uh, immigration system, he's likely to pay a severe political price. And that is just the harsh reality of immigration politics in the United States at this particular point. Um, you saw Trump exploit people's fears of uh, and, and hostility towards uh, towards unauthorized immigrants. And actually, you know, it kind of propelled him into the White House, some would say. But, um, you know, at this point, we're not just talking about two candidates with different policies. We're talking about the fate of, of American democracy. And I'm not engaging in hyperbole here or anything. So I think it's it that complicates everything even further. I'm not happy about this, but I don't think that I'm going to kind of defect from the Democratic Party and start supporting Trump on the other side or, or Republicans on the other side. Because I can assure you that the... The Biden administration is unlikely, at least I hope, who knows, I may end up regretting what I'm about to say, but I think it's unlikely that the Biden administration is going to expand the border wall in any significant way. You know, keep in mind that even Trump was only able to construct, I think it was less than, and I'll have to, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think it was less than 90 miles of actual new border wall. I know he fixed other areas that were already in existence. But I think he was only able to secure the construction of less than 90 miles of new border wall during the duration of his entire administration. Okay. And, and I, hear uh, what, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, though, about the mm -hmm. party politics. And, and I fully understand that, you know, we're in a situation right now is that, you know, it's basically down to between Biden and, and Trump. And we've, we've all experienced what a Trump administration is like, especially for immigrants. So I don't think many people want to go back to that. But herein lies the problem is that it is easy to demonize immigrants because they don't vote. And that's the underlying problem in that for the political narrative is that the Biden administration cannot alienate the labor uh, sector of, the, of, of its voter base. He cannot alienate the environmentalists or the progressives because he needs all of them to get elected. The Republicans cannot alienate the diehard, you know, pro-immigrants, uh, you know, or, or cut off the immigrant access to all the immigrants because they need that voter base to get elected. And the sad fact is, it doesn't matter whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans, the talking points are about getting elected. And the people that are getting hurt are, number one, the ranchers who are opposed to the wall, the wildlife, the, the, you know, that their environment is being destroyed, all the fraud and waste of taxpayer money on a wall that doesn't work, on a solution that will never solve a problem. 
and the immigrants who are dying trying to cross the border. You know who benefits from this narrative about border walls and stuff? Not the Republicans and not the Democrats. It's the criminals. The criminal element benefits because when you start talking about building a wall, guess who comes out of the woodwork? It's the smugglers, the human smugglers, the drug dealers that come out and say, hey, pay me X number of dollars, pesos, whatever the case may be, and I'll get you across the border. That's who benefits from this whole discussion, political language that serves no good and doesn't solve a problem. So I I hear what you're saying, Aldo. It, It makes a lot of sense. Do we continue down this road for another election cycle? We've been doing it from since the 1990s. At what point do we step up and say, it's time to force Congress, because Congress ultimately is the one that makes the laws to make the laws that work. Excellent point. And, you know, just to make it abundantly clear here, I'm certainly not pleased with this latest development, you know, and I hope that some type of resolution to the situation can be found that doesn't entail building the border wall, especially at this particular location, but but really anywhere. Um, Ultimately, and you can, you know, tell me what you think about this next proposition, but Ultimately, I don't think it's going to result in significant levels of Biden voters um, defecting to the Republicans. You know, I dis- you know, I, I'm just going to kind of reference a tweet, a tweet that uh, that Beto recently posted. Beto O'Rourke recently posted. Um, I, I disagree with the tweet, but let me go ahead and read it. Basically, he claimed that um, after the announcement came out that the Biden administration was going to go ahead and proceed to construct the wall. He posted that, quote, now it's even harder for voters to distinguish between Biden and Trump on border slash immigration. I disagree with it because I think the differences are pretty stark. Trump is aligned with white supremacy and Biden is clearly not. Um, Trump is our enemy. Biden is not. We may have differences with the Biden administration, but there really is no equivalency there. And uh, there's a huge difference between the two administrations. What are your thoughts? I I actually like what Beto said, because when when you focus on the problem of immigration, he's absolutely correct. I I hear what you're saying about the rest of the, the political cycle, which includes other issues, white supremacy and and the danger that I mean, El Paso, you know, felt this firsthand of hateful language. I understand that. I understand that, you know, there's a greater goal. Do we want another Trump administration? I, for one, definitely do not want another Trump administration. But that doesn't make the Biden administration any better when it comes to immigration. And so what Beto said is correct. Now, is that going to create defections for the Democratic Party? No, that's not enough. I mean, the wall is a great talking point. Most people are talking about it today. But what is it? It's nothing. That's the part of the problem is that the wall does nothing except spend taxpayer money. And so it's a great talking point. Uh, I think that it helps the Biden administration deal with a quote unquote migrant surge, uh, at least in a narrative sense. 
but it doesn't really solve the underlying problem. And I guess that's why, you know, there's so much confusion. There's so much confusion about what is going on among the Republicans and the Democrats, because nobody looks at the underlying problem, which is a broken immigration system. Absolutely. Excellent uh, point there, Martin. Um, well, I guess we are going to go ahead and leave the conversation there at this point. We probably could have continued discussing this for hours. Um, but before we wrap things up, Martin, I just would like to extend an invitation to anyone out there listening who would like to comment on anything we have discussed or even be a guest on our next podcast or even produce your own podcast. If you think you might be interested in doing something like this, please feel free to contact us at news at alpasonews.org. Uh, thank you once again for listening to the Border Agenda podcast and on El Paso Talks. And thank you for supporting independent community media. See you later, Martin. Thank you, Aldo. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Border Agenda podcast on El Paso Talks. Please feel free to follow, like, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And once again, thank you for supporting independent community media. This has been El Paso Talks, a podcast about El Paso delivered to you by the voices of your neighbors, your friends, your family, and even yourself. If you haven't already, like, subscribe, and rate our podcast. El Paso Talks is produced by El Paso News. The opinions expressed are those of the individual delivering the episode and may not necessarily represent the views of El Paso News or the other podcasters on El Paso Talks. Find us at elpasonews.org. See you in the next episode.